Maybe not many days. It will be um, Visaka Puja this day that uh, we recollect the goodness of the Buddha. This day that the Buddha attained uh, to a perfect uh, self-awakening beneath the Bodhi tree in India. Uh, that at that time it was in the uh, Magadha kingdom. And so the Buddha had practiced severe austerities uh, for a long time until his body was very thin and emaciated to the point where he fell unconscious three times. But even though he had put his body through such uh, rigorous austerities, he still hadn't attained to any special quality, any special state like he desired to. And uh, so he reflected on this, that all that he had put himself through, this torture, no one else, no other human in the world was able to go through this. And it was due to the barami that he had developed for such a long time that he was able to endure with that. But if it was anyone else, they would have died already. And so he looked at this uh, path that he had taken and realized that it's not the right way. This knowledge came up. This isn't the way to awakening. So he started eating again. And on the day of his awakening, it was Lady Suchada who offered him a meal beneath the banyan tree. And she uh, dedicated the goodness of that meal to uh, some Adeva uh, because she had gotten her wish of uh, getting a son. So the Buddha ate that meal of milk rice and it was the best rice available and it was mixed with fresh milk and honey. So it was a very good uh, dish and we can say now in terms of modern science it had a lot of vitamins. So there were 49 mouthfuls that he took and that's equivalent to the number of days that uh, he spent enjoying the bliss of liberation after his awakening. So after eating that meal, he went to the uh, Naranjara River. And uh, this is a river that has a special green color to it. And during the rainy season, the monsoon season, then the river fills up with water and it can be one kilometer wide. So he took the gold tray that uh, Lady Suchata had offered the meal uh, on and he put that on the river and it flowed against the current. He then went across the river and uh, sat facing the east underneath the Bodhi tree and he made this firm determination of truth uh, that if I don't awaken if I don't attain awakening, um, then may I die. Uh, because he realized that this was the best that he had. This already was uh, the most of his ability. And uh, so he made this determination that if he didn't awaken, 
then he would die. He wouldn't get up from his seat. So he took a seat under the Bodhi tree, what we call the Vajra Asana, uh, this literally uh, like the, the diamond uh, seat. And that was because his mind, his heart was in uh, the state of a diamond. It was very resolute. And he sat in meditation. And as he did so, he uh, turned his memory or his thoughts back to when he was a child. And he sat under a tree and was just peacefully watching his breath. And when he was a child, then his mind went into jhana. Uh, So he went back to that state, uh, watching the breath, and his mind went uh, from first jhana to second to third to fourth. And then knowledge arose within him. He was able to recollect his previous lives, what he had been born as in the past. And he could recollect many, many lives. After this, he returned back into samadhi, into the absorptions, jhanas, again. And a new kind of knowledge arose, uh, that of the passing away and the re-arising of beings. How they uh, follow their kama, what it is that allows beings to be born as a deva, to become a human. Uh, that uh, all beings follow their uh, actions, uh, uh, the intentional actions that they do. And this was very clear to him. But even though he gained these two knowledges, they didn't lead him to awakening. So for this first knowledge, it was during the first watch of the night from 6pm till 10pm. The second knowledge came up from 10pm to 2am. And then during the last watch of the night from 2am till dawn, uh, the Buddha contemplated into uh, Paticca Samupada, uh, this dependent co-arising. And it was because the Buddha had such a clear mind, there was such little dust there in his heart, that he was able to contemplate into this. He was able to keep his mind um, in the foundations of mindfulness, over the body, over the mind, over Vedana, feelings, and the Dhamma. And uh, especially this last aspect, the Dhamma, it's something that's very difficult to observe. It's something that's very subtle. Uh, But he had such great wisdom uh, that he could do this. He could contemplate into the Dhamma in this way. So he looked um, at this process of suffering, of how it comes up, that it's ignorance that is Uh, the cause, the initial cause, and this flows on through the process until we get to birth. And then from birth, there is the different kinds of stress and suffering that we experience. So if one is very ignorant, then there's a lot of craving. There's a lot of feelings, a lot of craving, a lot of clinging, attachment. And this leads to a lot of suffering. So he saw this cycle of how suffering arises, the causes that bring it about very clearly. And uh, he also saw clearly into the causes that bring about the end of suffering. That in order for that to happen, then this tanha, craving, thirst, it needs to cease. 
And he also saw that to get to that point, uh, one needs to walk on this noble Eightfold Path, which is led by right view. So he carried on contemplating this until dawn. And uh, at dawn, then, all delusion, all ignorance in his heart was destroyed. And there was no becoming, no birth left. Uh, Before he reached the state, however, he needed to build up his parami, his spiritual qualities, maturity, for a very long time. And this is what all bodhisattvas need to do, that they have this greatly compassionate intention uh, to awaken for the sake of all beings, and that uh, their compassion is limitless, it's boundless, that they want all beings to be freed from the cycle of birth and death. And uh, they see that if there's no one there to point the way, then the beings of this world won't be able to find their way. Uh, That even though people may have a lot of wealth, they may experience great status and power, they're still stuck within this world. And Lumpucha, he compared it to a bird that's trapped in a cage. And even though that bird uh, may have a lot of luxury there within that cage, it's still trapped in the cage and it can't escape. So this cage that we're all stuck in is that of Sangsara. And even though we may have a lot of wealth, we may gain much praise, much honor, we're still all stuck in this cage of old age, sickness and death. But the Buddha found his way out of this cage and in doing so he was able to teach other beings to find their way out, to to practice following his teachings. So in order for the Buddha to awaken, he needed to build up his paramis to such a high level to sacrifice. Um, And uh, he needed to do this to a level that's uh, more than what's required uh, for uh, arahants. That he sacrificed his life, uh, his body, so many times in order to awaken uh, so that he could teach all beings. So we see that he had this great, profound compassion. And all Buddhas um, have this. Uh, There was a time during uh, the time of the Buddha that there was a lady who went to offer some cloth to the Buddha. And this cloth was extremely expensive uh, cloth, we could say, Uh, If it was nowadays, then it would be the most famous and the most expensive brand of clothing. Uh, So in the Buddha's time, it was Kasi cloth uh, from Varanasi. And it had a very subtle and uh, very pleasant uh, fabric and was extremely expensive. And uh, nowadays, the currency now in Thailand, it may be a million baht. And so the Buddha gave a teaching um, on the great compassion of bodhisattvas and uh, gave a teaching about uh, the Buddha to be the next Buddha, uh, Maitreya Buddha. So when he received this cloth, uh, he passed it down to his right and left hand disciples 
And then they carried on passing it down through all of the great disciples, all 80 of them who were sitting with the Buddha. But all of these disciples carried on passing this cloth down, passing it down, until it reached a newly ordained monk who was sitting right at the end of the line. This monk was called Ajita. And the woman who offered this cloth was distraught, and she started to cry because she was so intent in offering this very expensive cloth to the Buddha. And uh, she was distraught as to why the Buddha wouldn't receive it himself. And none of the monks would receive it. They all carried on passing it down. No one would accept it. Uh, but what the Buddha wanted to do was to show the Bharami of Maitreya Bodhisattva, the next Buddha to awaken. So what he did was uh, the bowl which he was holding in his hand, he made the determination, the mental determination for that bowl to disappear. And so the bowl vanished. And he told the two uh, great disciples, his right and left hand disciples sitting next to him, and also the 80 great disciples sitting there, all of these monks who had uh, very great psychic powers, he told them to find this bowl. So all of these monks, they had very deep meditation. They could all go into jhanas. They all had these psychic abilities. And so they used those abilities to look all over the worlds, all over the deva worlds, all the different realms of existence, looking for this bowl. And none of them were able to find it. And that was uh, because uh, the Bharami of the Buddha, that he had determined that it was only the next Buddha uh, to be who was able to find this bowl. So, um, Venerable Ajita, then, he put out his hand and he determined his mind uh, that if I am going to attain to be the next Buddha, may this bowl appear in my hand. And then the bowl appeared right there. So the Buddha praised him, Venerable Ajita, and said that he will be uh, Buddha Maitreya, the next Buddha to awaken. And the lady who offered this cloth was delighted, uh, delighted that she was able to make an offering to the present Buddha, make an offering to his, all of his great awakened disciples, and she was also able to make an offering to the Buddha to be the next Buddha. So the merit and the goodness uh, that it requires to be a bodhisattva and attain to awakening as a Buddha, uh, the merit and the goodness of that plane of bodhisattvas is higher than the goodness and the merit of the plane of the um, arahants and the disciples of the Buddha. Because they need to develop more bharami in order to attain to self-awakening. But once they reach that plane of the Buddhas, um, then every Buddha is the same. So with our present Buddha, and on this day of Visaka, it's the day that we recollect his birth, his awakening, and his passing into Phanamibbana. We recollect all of his great and beautiful qualities. His great compassion, 
his purity and his wisdom, that he was able to defeat all the greed, hatred and delusion in his heart. And so we all know well for ourselves that this is really difficult to defeat greed, hatred and delusion within ourselves. It's something that's not easy. But the Buddha was able to do this by himself. We see he had this diamond heart um, that he was willing to sit in meditation and uh, to the point of death that he uh, was willing to accept death. So we recollect his goodness and uh, we follow this path that he taught, this noble path, that of generosity, of virtue and of meditation. And so for us, we do these things uh, as a normal part of our lives, this generosity and virtue. But meditation is something that we do need to cultivate, this quality of samadhi, of peacefulness. And no matter what we're doing, whether we're walking, standing, sitting, lying down, we maintain our mindfulness. We try to do this a lot, uh, try to develop our minds in this way so that they can be freed from the world. They can rise above the world. And what that means is that they rise above greed, hatred, and delusion. So may all of you practice in this may. May all of you develop and grow in the Dhamma.